Welcome to Flower Hour. A podcast completely dedicated to baking. I'm Amanda in Los Angeles. And I'm Jeremiah in Sacramento. Hey, Cookie. What you baking this week? <laughs> I'm so dorky. <laughs> I love it. I'm like speechless. I can't even think of a good comeback. <laughs> yeah, cookies on the brain. I couldn't help myself. It was either that or Jerry. I was thinking about how Maria called you Jerry back when Maria was on. And so you're cookie, oh. cookie Jerry today. Jerry and then I've been thinking about or remembering how Prachi, when we were on the Great American Baking Show, would call me Jumbo. This time of year makes me remember that nickname, too. Oh, all the sentimental vibes today. Cookies and love, Jumbo. Cookies do that to us, don't they? They bring up stories and memories with family and friends. They do. It's weird. Like, cookies are so lighthearted and, and playful, but then so emotional in this weird way. They totally take us back to holidays of years before. <laughs> exactly. So what are you baking for real cookie? Tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, more cookies, obviously. And I just shared my honey gingerbread cookies, which I love a gingerbread cookie, but a soft one. I mean, I'll eat the the crunchy and crisp ones too, but the American in me just loves a soft cookie. (laughs) (laughs) We're so giggly today. I love it. Um, Okay, so these cookies, I saw them on Instagram. I've never made a molded cookie. Do you know that? Like, I've never done the shaped cookies in this way. So tell me about it. Like, I want to know yeah. about your process. I, I hadn't done it in a year, and I have some tips I can tell you if you do want to jump into cookie stamping that will steer you in the right direction. It's really fun. It's really easy. And I definitely did the tricks that I talked about last week on our holiday cookie episode where I will flour my Silpat mat, put my big piece of dough down, put a piece of parchment on top of that, and I'll roll out my rectangle of dough. Just to get it smooth. This is not stamping. This is just a smooth yep. palette. Okay. So this way I don't have to move any cookies. The, the cookies will be cut and stamped right on the Silpat, and then I just pull away the excess. So that's where I'm going with this. So I have the rectangle of dough. I peel off my parchment and then I have my cookie stamps and I dip them into flour and I make sure they're pretty heavily floured. I mean, you can always brush flour off, but the flour for me is the key, especially if the dough is a little on the sticky side. And if it's really sticky, I recommend putting in the refrigerator or the freezer just to firm it up a little bit. But if you firm it up too much, then you're going to have a harder time getting the impression that you want. And always remember that sometimes if I didn't like the stamp, I just stamped again right on top of it because the force will just reform the cookie uh, or you could always cut it off and just re-roll it in your next batch. So don't feel like you're committed to a bad stamp. If, if you want to go again, go again. Okay. So you stamp, I stamp with quite a bit of pressure. That's the best way to get the best impression. Generally when that's done, when I've stamped everything, I put the whole tray in the freezer to do what Aaron told us to do to get really, really sharp edges. So I like to stamp a more frozen dough to get those sharp edges. And I'll use um, a round cutter because I used a round stamp to just cut out. So the, the, the stamp doesn't cut out your cookie. That's important to know. You're going you're gonna to need some sort of 
cookie cutter to cut out the final shape. Oh, that's interesting. So the stamp just makes an imprint and then you go back and cut the cookie. Okay. I had no idea. This is why I needed to talk to you. (laughs) And what worked really well for me is I just did a bunch of these cookies. I baked them for my music students and I had three sheet pans going. So I had one in the oven one that was chilling in the freezer and then one that I was rolling. And that seemed to like to be a really great number of pans to have a cycle where I was just constantly moving. I wasn't waiting. Um, It was a good flow. So if you have that many and you need to do a lot of cookies, that's the way I would do it. I love bakes like that where you get a little rhythm. It makes me feel very professional, like pastry chef. I'm like, this must be what it's like to be in a restaurant, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I want to say, too, if you're not sure about, well, I'm not, I don't want to give up the molasses in a gingerbread cookie, it's not too far of a departure. Honestly, like I, yes, it's not as dark and as um, molasses-y, but it still has that same really, really yummy quality of, 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 a, of a gingerbread cookie, but just just a different, different quality. I, it's not too far of a, you haven't jumped into a different territory altogether. Um, so I think if you're just not sure, give it a try. It's really, really good. And it's fun to show off some of your darker, richer honeys that you have in your pantry. I love this idea. And I can totally see that it would still scratch the same edge because you've got the spices and all of the good things that you expect, but just a tweak, you know? Exactly. A little yeah. tweak. So Very what about cool. you? What are you baking, Cookie? Oh, I'm just tweaking cookies over here too. It's cookie palooza. Um, yeah, I mean, we're really on a cookie kick. We've done cookie episode with Rebecca Firth, did cookie episode with uh, Brian and Aaron, but it's just the season. Like I keep going, I'm going to stop making cookies and get back to cake or do some pies again or whatever, but we just did pies for Thanksgiving and I can't get enough of the cookies. So can I give us a little spoiler for next se- next season? A little spoiler for next year. Please do. We're going to do a chocolate chip cookie episode, people. Because cookies, right? I mean. Yes. <laughs> so the cookie cook kick will continue into 2019. Just brace yourselves. Um, yeah. So I made sugar cookies. Like every single mom in the country probably makes sugar cookies with their kids. And Gemma, who is my daughter, she's five years old. She listens like she's a sponge. She hears all the good things and all the bad things and all the smart things and all the crazy things that I say. And she absorbs them and then spits them back at me, (laughs) which is (laughs) a wild ride. Let me tell you. But uh, for our cookies, she had a really great idea. Like, what kind of frosting do you want? Do you want me to put buttercream? Do you want royal icing? And she's like, can we try Swiss meringue? I was like, uh, yes, I would have never thought of that. I love a kid brain. They're just so open. She's just thinking of what sounds good to her and what she likes. And she loves Swiss meringue, not Swiss meringue buttercream. When I posted this on Instagram, I had a couple comments about Swiss meringue buttercream. Beware. We torched them. That's a spoiler alert to the end of the cookie. <laughs> we torched the Swiss meringue. You cannot torch Swiss meringue buttercream. It would melt everywhere. So I don't want to set anybody up for a really sad situation after you've made beautiful cookies, piped them, and then to torch, the butter will just melt and it'll be terrible. Anyway, so we made the Swiss meringue. Also, okay, side note, 
at first she wanted to flavor them with anise, which I also thought was really interesting that she is so cool. <laughs> Maybe she's your kid, Jeremiah. I'm like, don't you want vanilla? And she's like, no, <laughs> let's do anise. I'm like, okay. So we made the Swiss meringue, piped it on there. She had her own. I put pictures and stories of her fun cookies, but we piped it and then torched it. And it was amazing. Let me tell you, it was really good because buttercream sometimes I feel like is too much on a buttery cookie. Royal icing. I think every baker like loves to hate it. It's so fun to work with and you can get the best designs, but then very few people, if they're being honest, would say they crave to eat royal icing. But the Swiss meringue was nice. It was soft. It was malleable. And then to torch a cookie is pure pleasure. So that's what I've been baking. And then I'm going to, I'm just, you know, going to keep, keep rambling on another cookie here. So I edited my salted malted chocolate chip cookie recipe to add in bread flour because displaced housewife, AKA Rebecca Firth, she is a cookie queen. Jeremiah, I know you'll confirm this. Oh, I'm obsessed. She's a genius. So we had her on, you heard her episode, so many great cookie tips in there. But she uses bread flour in a lot of her recipes. We talked about that. I made some of her recipes. They were all just dream cookies, like perfect dream cookies. I'm telling you, amazing. And so I thought, I want to try bread flour in this recipe that I previously shared. And it was a better cookie. I put the Maya Angelou quote. I'm sure she wasn't talking about cookies when she said this, but it's, if you know better, do better. And so I knew better and I I just felt I had to change this recipe. So big shout out to Rebecca, Displaced Housewife on Instagram. And that's her blog. If you haven't listened to her episode, it's Cookie Wisdom. Go back and find it. But these cookies are better. They're just better. That's all I can say. I just made her spiced Chinese almond cookies from the Bake From Scratch holiday cookie issue. And again, I was like, another moment of brilliance. They're just... She just knows she knows how to do she cookies. She knows how to do cookies. And other things, obviously. But gosh, the cookies are good. Cookie Queen. Yep. I trust her recipes like no other. So yeah. So I made a better cookie thanks to her and thanks to Flower Hour. I feel like I'm so grateful for this place where we're always learning and coming up with new tricks and just fueling the flames of this passion for baking. It's really fun. Well, speaking of learning, we are going to do a lot of learning today. This is probably our most, I don't know, controversial topic. Dun, dun, dun. Scandalous, even. Depending on how, how you think about this topic, it, it could be scandalous, or maybe you're well-versed. This is like... It depends no- maybe on where you are in the country, too. Yeah. And whether, I mean, it, this could be illegal in your state. Illegal baking. It's baking baking, people. <laughs> <laughs> I love when I make you laugh, Jeremiah. <laughs> baking, baking. I'm going to say it again, just for you. And don't worry, Amanda and I have not been baking this morning. Or have we? So, <laughs> yeah, so it's all about CBD and THC and baking with these uh, new components. Can you bake with them? There's a lot that we need to learn. Hopefully, you guys are curious about this topic. You hear words like edibles being tossed around. And you see it on Instagram, you see it. I mean, we're both in California, right? So it's part of the culture now, right? Absolutely. I mean, oh my goodness, there are dispensaries and 
I mean, the news is always filled with what cannabis is going into next, into soft drinks, into coffee, into juices. It's it's insane. Um, and I think it's important for us as bakers, if we want to experiment, that we know what we're doing. We know what products to use. We know we know how to dose it for ourselves and for the people we'd be potentially serving. So we have a total expert today, like complete expert. I recommend you get a notepad. You need to take notes if this is a topic you're interested in. Yeah, I think it's a great one, especially if you're like me, this topic um, before talking to our guest and before interacting a little bit with it is very intimidating because you don't want to screw up. You feel like the consequences could be high, uh, no pun intended, but <laughs> it's just a little stressful and a little foreign if, if you're not, you know, naturally, if you haven't experimented with this before. So um our guest, she has two companies, actually, one Super Good Hemp and one called Alchemy & Co. I feel like we're dancing around her name, by the way. Her name is Ashley, and she's O Lady Cakes on Instagram. We love her. Absolutely adore her brilliant brain. Um, but she has the two companies. I've tried her golden milk powder to make like a turmeric latte. It has CBD in it. Very relaxing. Helps with anxiety. I like it a lot. You've tried a couple too, right? Yes, I also tried the golden milk powder. It's amazing. It's super relaxing. Just a gorgeous product. Really delicious. And then I also bought her turmeric CBD oil. And I've been using that as a replacement for my cannabis tincture that I use for sleeping. You'll hear us talk about that later in the interview. Um, and I've loved it. And if you're interested in these products, we have a coupon code for you for her hemp products, that is. So go to supergoodhemp.com and use the code FLOWERHOUR for 10% off. All right. So let's get our expert on here. We had a great conversation. I can't, can't wait to share it with everyone. I think you're going to love it and learn a lot. And also, people, there's tons of baking talk as well. She has an amazing, amazing blog de dedicated to baking. And we talk about vegan baking. We talk about her recipe development. So if you're like not so into the CBD THC, just hold out later in the episode. We do a lot of fake talk. Ashley, welcome to Flower Hour. So this is Ashley, aka O Lady Cakes, aka Super Good Hemp, aka Alchemy and Co. You wear so many hats, and I have to tell you, when I posted on Instagram, who should we have on for this type of episode? The response was overwhelming. I heard over and over, "You must get O Lady Cakes." So we are so excited to talk to you. That's awesome. I'm so excited to be here. Did you know you're so well loved? Uh, no. It's really weird because <laughs> ever since I started this, ever since we dove into the cannabis industry, I'm suddenly this person who's like the expert on cannabis. And I definitely don't feel that way. But then the more, the further and further we get into owning these two companies on both sides of the industry, it's like, oh, I do actually know a lot. <laughs> That's cool how expertise yeah. sneaks up on you. Okay, so first of all, we need to, we need to make sure that we're all on the same page, meaning me and Amanda and all our listeners. And so can you give us a quick education? So like what are edibles, for example? What's THC? What's CBD? What's the difference? Can you give us a little? Yeah. So yeah, I actually think that one of the big things is that cannabis has basically two plants that fall under it. And that is, I mean, I guess more than two plants, but right now the really hot ones are hemp and they're marijuana. 
in marijuana is where you're going to have your really high concentrations of THC and other constant, like lower concentrations of cannabinoids like CBD, CBN, CBG, et cetera. And then on the hemp side, you have um, basically higher concentrations of CBD and other cannabinoids and very low concentrations of THC. There's so much mystery around CBD. Like what is it used for? How does it affect you? One of the big questions that I've seen on the internet and, and personally I'm curious about is does CBD get you high? But yeah, so you have marijuana that will get you high and then you have hemp that is for the most part non-intoxicating. So you're not going to have those mind altering effects. And I actually have companies on both sides of the industry now. So I've got um, a whole food edibles company called Alchemy Food Co. And then I also have a hemp company called Supergood. So we make products basically for, for both sides of the industry. Very cool. And can you tell us about, I think most people are familiar with, you know, the feeling or maybe not, but they, they understand what getting high means in terms of THC. That's sort of, you know, popular in the culture, but what, how does CBD affect a person? So CBD is non-intoxicating. A lot of people say it's not psychoactive, but by by definition, it is psychoactive just because it is kind of altering your mind in a way, but it's not, I guess it's not mind altering. Sorry. It's not giving you that, that high feeling that you get from THC. So we like to say that it's not intoxicating. And basically what it does is it's great for like stress and anxiety and insomnia and things like that. So the feeling that I get when I consume cannabinoids like CBD, I feel super, super calm and relaxed. Yeah. I take it to go to bed or to sleep and I, I love it. You know, what's crazy is that it doesn't actually help everyone's sleep. It's like split 50-50. So I don't have sleep problems and I don't really have terrible anxiety or stress. But if I take um, like a full spectrum hemp extract before I go to bed, I'm up all night. My husband, on the other hand, if he doesn't take a full spectrum hemp extract before he goes to bed, he's up all night. Uh, So it's really interesting how truly unique our endocannabinoid systems are um, and how they respond to supplementing with cannabinoids. Absolutely. How do you know how much to take? So I would start out, I would go low and slow. Um, If you really want to find out how it works for your body, take a massive dose. And if it makes you super tired, you'll know like, oh, I need to move my dose down a little bit. But for me, I think the biggest thing that people can do is take a small dose and see how that works. Take it for a week or two. And then if you still don't feel anything, and I like to say that it's like total body calm, you just feel very relaxed. um, take Take a higher dose, you know, up it to 10 milligrams or 15 milligrams or 20 milligrams. The thing is that our bodies are all depleted in a different way. So what works for one person is definitely not going to work for another person. But I like to start, I take mine in the morning. That's when I prefer to take it. And if I take it in the morning, I notice I do sleep better at night, which is really awesome. Um, But yeah, just start taking it first, first, you know, the very first start of the day, put it under your tongue, take it sublingually. That is going to be, I feel like for sure the best way to take it. When we hear or see the word edible out there, what exactly does that mean? Is it CBD? Is it THC? Is it something that gets you high? Does it mean it's baked? What is an edible? Yeah, so it's a product that's orally ingested. um, So you're eating it and it has THC in it. I mean, I guess that they have edibles now that have other cannabinoids in them like CBD. Um, But for the most part, edibles are known as being a product that's infused with THC. And then how does like CBD, you said you put it on your tongue. So that's, it's, it comes in a liquid form. I know mine's, mine's a tincture and it's alcohol based, but how do, how do you usually get your CBD? 
So at Supergood, we put our full spectrum hemp extract in MCT oil because MCT oil, as a lot of people know, is really rich in medium chain triglycerides. And those are actually one of the best carriers for getting cannabis to your system. So that's what we use. And we recommend people take it under their tongue because it's also going to get to your body. It's going to get to your system faster than if you just swallow it Um, or if you put it in your coffee or if you put it in anything else. So I recommend oil absolutely because that's just the best way to get it to your system. I've not experimented with alcohol or like vegetable glycerins or anything like that. But um, I think one thing to keep in mind too is that there are different ways that the cannabinoids are being processed and that can also have a huge effect on how your body basically like processes them. So do you know the ingredients in your tincture? No. So I have... um... This is a problem. (laughs) A wonderful wonderful shaman I know in in the hills here in Northern California. And um, he just sends it to me and I just, you know, I trust. Oh, so, legit, but I, yeah. so I'm really, I'm really glad to learn from you. <laughs> so the big things to keep in mind is that there are a lot of ways that people are processing cannabinoids right now. Um, and there are companies who are making them so that they're water compatible, which is just like really awful. So are you going to have to bleep me out on that? <laughs> you want to start that over? Um, which is just really awful because you're basically taking this really incredible plant medicine that's naturally hydrophobic, which means that it repels water and you're making it water compatible with these surfactants, which are things like polysorbate and other emulsifiers that are synthetic ingredients, just so that it can basically hit your system faster, which isn't necessarily better. So I think that's one thing to be on the lookout for is that cannabinoids that are water compatible are really freaking weird. You are totally an expert. (laughs) (laughs) I've been in the industry for a little over two years. So I definitely have learned a lot when I started this. All I really knew about cannabinoids was uh, mostly about THC. I knew about CBD as well, but I just like to get high and I like the feeling of being high. So I have learned a lot. And honestly, a lot of it has been just through trial and error, through testing our products and working with like our labs. Most of the stuff that I've read on the internet about THC and how to extract it and how to process and things like that were flat out wrong. So um, I'm really happy that you guys had me here today to be able to kind of spread my wisdom, the little bit that I have. So how did you get into baking with CBD, THC, marijuana? Um, I'm assuming you started out just, you know, baking and then at some point, did you just pop it in there? How did this come about for you? So my husband, marijuana was legalized in Colorado I think we voted in 2013 and it actually went into effect in 2014. And my husband went and waited in line to get some legal weed. Prior to that, I was never, um, I wasn't really into consuming cannabis just because, I don't know, it just wasn't my thing. It also wasn't legal and I don't like to break rules. So it just, you know, I hadn't used it up until that point. So he went and he stood in line and he got some cannabis and he brought it home and it basically just sat in our pantry for a few weeks. And I was like, you know what? I'm sick of looking at this. I'm not going to smoke it because I don't like to smoke, but I'm going to infuse it. Um, into some coconut oil. So I made some coconut oil. It sat in our pantry for way too long. And then one day I was like, I think it was about a year later, I was like, I'm going to make some brownies, some like raw, really like next level, like incredible, incredible brownies. So I made them, I took them to like a ladies night. Actually, no, I think I intended on taking them to a ladies night and that didn't end up happening. So I just handed them out to all my friends and they were like, you need to start a company. Like you need to sell these, like all of the edibles in the market are basically filled with sugar and refined ingredients, which to me, I use cannabis for the most part or medically instead of recreationally. So those ingredients just aren't compatible with the way that I like to consume cannabis. And I was like, that's a good idea. So I took the idea to my husband 
And we thought about it for a while. We were finishing up school. We were getting married. Then we were traveling for a little bit. And so finally in 2016, in like spring of 2016, we began the process and then finally found a facility in August of 2016. And then the rest is history. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like a happy accident. It, I don't know. I never saw myself being here. I kind of just saw myself like getting a government job with like the environmental protection agency or something. Like I did, I just didn't see myself owning my own company and especially not one that involves cannabis. Um, and then also not working with my husband. So yeah, that's how we got started. And a couple years after we started Alchemy Food Co., we kind of saw the need for there to be really high quality hemp products on the market because a lot of them, I mean, if I'm being honest, are just shit. Uh, they're made by people who don't really have any experience with cannabis. And the way, the one way that you can basically figure out the companies that are legit and that are not is, first of all, are they testing their products? And second of all, are they a strictly cannabis company or did they exist with product, products prior to introducing the cannabinoids? And then they just like saw a way to make a quick buck and wanted to add CBD to their products so they can increase their margins exponentially. Um, and you see a lot of that now. You have a lot of companies who have no history in cannabis just adding cannabis to their products because the profit margins are there. Um, so yeah. I'm seeing CBD pop up everywhere. Um, when I'm out and about, I see it in juice bars or like coffee shops. And I saw in your stories that you had an interesting experience seeing CBD in a latte. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So there's this juice bar in town that, um, is basically, they added CBD to their menu and they said that they, they were advertising it as 3000 or 3,300 milligrams of CBD per latte which 300 milligrams of CBD will knock you on your ass for like a week. I'm not even kidding you. Um, and then they also had at the bottom of their menu that CBD is non-psychoactive. So I called them out and I was like, this is, you know, this is a problem. Like whoever is selling this company, CBD should be, their CBD product should be educating them because like they, they tried to pass it off as it being a typo. And I'm like, that's not a typo. It's, it appears in your menu multiple times. You also incorrectly referred to cannabinoids as being non-psychoactive when that's just like, blatantly false. So yeah, and you have this problem with people just adding it to their menu because it's going to make them a lot of money or they think it's going to make them a lot of money. And it probably is. But at the same time, it's like, if you're, if you're this uneducated about the products that you're putting in, into your, you know, your coffee or your smoothies or things like that, do you actually know if you're getting a good quality full spectrum hemp extract or CBD oil, you know? So it's like, ah, it, it just really rubs me the wrong way. And it honestly kind of scares me a little bit because what if someone goes and gets one of these products and they don't have a good reaction to it, they don't feel anything, then they're automatically going to write off hemp and all hemp derived products, which is problematic. So where does someone start if they want to bake something with CBD or THC? So one thing that I will say, I would never bake with any cannabinoid other than THC. And here's the thing is that, so for instance, our oil was super good. It's extracted using ethanol, which is just grain alcohol. So in that extraction process, we get terpenes, we get flavonoids, we get vitamins and minerals, and all of those things have very low boiling points. And they're also things that add a lot of benefits to our oil. So if you're going to be cooking with that, or if you're going to be exposing it to high heat, even heat over like 212 degrees, which is boiling, I feel like you're going to cook off some of the beneficial parts of the plant medicine. Um, so I would only bake or cook with THC. And then the problem with at-home extraction of THC is that when you extract it, it does not extract homogeneously, which means that the THC is not evenly spread throughout the oil or whatever medium it is that you're using to extract if you're using butter or whatever. Um, so it is, you're not extracting in a homogeneous manner at all. 
And so when you go to make brownies or when you go to make cookies or when you go to, you know, like infuse a soup, you could be putting a thousand milligrams of THC into a batch or 10 milligrams of THC into a batch. So the way around that is what we use down at Alchemy. We use a high, like a high shear homogenizer, which is like a $5,000 machine that homogenizes the oil at 10,000 RPMs um, for like 15 to 20 minutes. And it gets that stuff like incredibly homogenous and it stays homogenous. But if you're an at-home cook, you can get a machine there. They have like a magical butter machine. There's a Levo machine, which Levo is one that I personally recommend because it actually magnetically stirs the oil or the butter while it's extracting which is huge because then it's going to be homogenous when you dispense it. But the problem is that, and I am getting way too into this, uh, but, the, <laughs> but the problem is that when you magnetically stir the cannabinoids, or the, for in this case, the THC into the oil or the butter, it doesn't remain homogenous because there's not that pressure or that force that's homogenizing it, like with the high shear homogenizer. So it's only going to be homogenous when you dispense it. So the way around that is you can dispense it into like little uh, like silicone ice cube trays or something like that so that you know that you're going to have pretty much an even dose throughout throughout that batch. Um, but yeah, be careful when you extract at home because uh, actually really funny, that batch of brownies that I made with that oil, I ate one of them and was stoned for like a day and a half. And it was awful. <laughs> I have been there. Oh, yeah. it's the worst. Yeah. It's awful. So yeah, it's, I think I don't recommend doing at-home extraction. It's just, it's not, I don't know. It's not for me. We do make a product at Alchemy that is a cannabis coconut cooking oil, and it is incredible. It's super homogenous. It's dosed like perfectly. Um, so if you can find a product, if you live in a state that has recreational marijuana, then I would try to get your hands on something like that. Because also the cannabis, and I can't say the the heat at which you need to be de decarboxylating your cannabis in order to activate the THC. And I can't tell you how long we extract it because it's a proprietary process that I'm actually working on a project where I will be sharing all of that information, but I can't give it away right now. But everything on the internet's just wrong. So um, you just have to be really careful with it. And I would just recommend finding an oil that someone has already had tested so you know the exact potency of it. Okay. So beginners, we need to start with getting an oil that's already been, what's the word? Is it extracted Extracted and tested and so tested. you know the exact, exact potency of it? Okay. So I get the, the product in my home. What do you recommend? Like what type of bake? Okay. What do I do next? Walk me through. So if you are wanting to infuse some, like usually baking, like you're fine with it. I just wouldn't bake anything above 325 degrees. Um, wow, and all the THC... Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the THC that's in there is if you're using an oil, so oil does, the fat does protect the cannabinoids. So it will protect the THCs to where you can expose it to a little bit higher heat than normal. Um, and the internal temperature of baked goods only get up to like 160 to two, whatever. Um, so you wouldn't be cooking any of it off. You would be fine. And then you also have that fat there to protect it. So you could bake it into a cake. You could bake it into brownies. You can bake it into cookies. You can use it in soups or stews or things like that. For me personally, I don't like to actually bake with it. I would rather just like put it in the frosting for a cake or like use it in a chocolate drizzle on top of some cookies. Um, and then if I'm going to be making a soup or something like that, I'll just let everyone individually dose their own, their own uh, meal or their own serving just because it is just safer that way. And you know the exact dose that you're getting. You know, if you didn't stir it right or you didn't mix something properly, you know that someone's not going to get like stoned for a week. <laughs> Okay, talk some math. So if we're using this, what sort of dosage should we be starting so out I think with? That, like that honestly depends on your body. So I get a right. very good buzz off of like 2.5 milligrams of THC. I feel fantastic. 
at five milligrams, I am going to be stoned with oil. Now like this, I mean, this is just with an oil product and that's because of the oil that helps get the product to your system faster. It makes it more bioavailable so your body can actually process it. Um, some people take 10 milligrams of THC. Some people take 50 milligrams of THC. So it mostly just depends. But starting out, I would start with 2.5 milligrams and see how you feel. Wait a couple hours. Um, one thing that I see with a lot of people is that, especially if you're taking your THC infused oil with a meal, it's going to take longer to hit you than if you put it under your tongue and take it on an empty stomach because the, your body's going to have to metabolize the food before it gets to the cannabis. Does that make sense? Yeah, Absolutely. It's interesting to me to hear you talk about this because it reminds me a lot of learning to drink alcohol, kind of. You learn that if you have a glass of wine on an empty stomach, it makes you feel a certain way versus if you have a glass of wine and you just had a big, you know, super gregarious meal. It's kind of interesting for me just to think about learning, learning how to take it and learning how it affects you, maybe very similar to learning how to drink. Yeah. And Amanda, that's brilliant to really think of it as has you learn to drink alcohol because everyone knows, Oh, I don't do tequila or I don't do shots or I don't do this or that. It's you, we have to kind of approach it in that same way. Okay. Talk, talk to us about the flavor. Do these things impart a flavor? So that depends on if the company is using a full spectrum hemp extract, which they should be. Um, if they're making a liquid, a liquid product, it should taste like cannabis. If it doesn't taste like cannabis, that's a problem. Um, but then there are like, we have a couple products, actually we have three products on the super good side that just use a CBD isolate. So it's basically like a crystallized product that is just pure CBD and that's it. Um, and so we use that because we make a capsule that is filled with like a turmeric powder. And then we also make a golden milk powder and a turmeric coconut creamer. So we use an isolate in those because you obviously can't mix an oil, like a full spectrum hemp extract that's liquid into those products. But in our oil product, we only use full-spectrum hemp extract, and you should absolutely be tasting cannabis. It should take, taste grassy. It should taste a little earthy, um, depending on what they're adding in there, which hopefully they're not adding anything weird. It might taste a little sweet or a little nutty. Um, but yeah, it, it should just be a full-spectrum hemp extract that tastes like cannabis. And if they're using an isolate, I would probably stay away from it. Okay. I hope people are taking notes. This is amazing. Uh, The other thing to keep in mind too, is you should be asking how your full spectrum hemp extracts are being extracted. There are a lot of ways that um, hemp can be processed and they'll use things like butane or heptane or uh, CO2, which CO2 is considered solventless. But the problem with CO2 is that it exposes the hemp to really extreme pressures and really extreme temperatures. So it kind of can alter the compounds um, on like a, a micro level. Whereas our product, our hemp is extracted using ethanol, which is food grade alcohol. And it is a very slow, a very gentle process. It uh, involves very, very little heat. And I think that it just, it makes for a much better experience. And you also are getting other things out of it than just cannabinoids. So with CO2 extraction, for example, you're only getting cannabinoids and that's it. Unless they're adding the terpenes and the flavonoids and the vitamins and minerals back in, which most of the time they're not. And if they are, they'll be advertising that. Um, but with an ethanol extraction, you're actually getting like full plant medicine, which is incredible. And it's why we use it. Wow. Super helpful. This is amazing. Okay. So I just ordered the golden milk powder that you offer on. <laughs> Thank Super you. Woohoo! I'm very, very excited and it should show up any day now, but you were saying, so I should not bake with that, right? Because it's I would CBD. absolutely not bake with that. Um, especially because it is not protected and oil. Um, we do have um, an MCT oil powder that we add to it, which will basically just help 
make the CBD more bioavailable to your body. So as I said, um, CBD is hydrophobic, so it needs to be it needs to bind with oil in order to be processed in your body. Okay. So adding the MCT oil makes it more bioavailable, but it's not protected. It's not enrobed or encapsulated in the MCT oil. So I would definitely not bake with it. So use it to like make a mug of golden milk or use it to make chia pudding or overnight oats or something like that. Okay. So could I, if I, you know, was just being belligerent and I'm like, I really want this in a bake, could I put it in frosting like you were mentioning about some other things? Oh, absolutely. Okay. But here's the thing is that for me, and this is a personal preference and this is just my personal opinion, but for me, the ingredients that you would put in a frosting are not compatible with consuming uh, cannabinoids uh, for health benefits. Right. So the reason that I will, I I would put THC in a frosting is because I probably just want to get high. I'm not taking it because it's good for me. Um, So I don't really care. But if you're using CBD or a full spectrum hemp product, I just wouldn't bake with it. I wouldn't put it in something that has sugar any sugar, um, or I guess a baked good with a lot of sugar. And I wouldn't put it in something that has like refined ingredients in it, but that's up to you. Yeah. I like the way you're making me think about it. Yeah. I like the way you're making it. It's a health, it's a, it's a supplement. So it's like, would you put a B vitamin into a cake or into frosting? No, you wouldn't do that. Um, and so you kind of have to think of, of, hemp supplements in the same light. Like I see a lot of places adding them to their brownies and it's like, we put two milligrams of CBD in this brownie. And it's like, yeah, but how much of it did you bake off? Because there's not a lot of, they don't know a lot about, I mean, they know the boiling points, but they don't know a lot about baking with it or cooking with it. Um, So I think it's better to err on the side of caution and just like make a mug of golden milk, Amanda. You will love it. It's amazing. (laughs) Can you um, make it in a tea? Like I love like a gold milk, like chai latte kind of thing. Like that would be fine. Okay. I just developed a recipe for golden milk hot cocoa and it is amazing. It's basically, so there's a recipe on supergoodhemp.com that is for, it's called the damn good mug of golden milk. But if you just throw a tablespoon of two or two of cacao powder in it, it makes for like next level hot cocoa. It's incredible. So I highly recommend trying that. That'll be my first stop. Yes. Perfect. I need to get on this train. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amanda, let's talk about baking. Is, does that sound like a good Oh, yeah. Plan? This is a baking or- podcast after all, right? Yeah. <laughs> And of course we, you know, we'll, we'll keep, yeah, we'll keep learning about all these good things, but I'm dying to know how you start, got started baking because you're a gorgeous baker. Thank you so much. Um, I was just really bored. My husband and I, he was my boyfriend at the time. We moved to Denver because he got a job and I had like nothing to do. So I just filled all my free time with baking. Uh, and I am self-taught. So there was a lot of recipe failures in the beginning, but you learn from those kinds of things. And now I feel like I'm a pretty spectacular vegan baker. Um, I am transitioning my recipes to be not vegan, not completely vegan, because I have started eating eggs again, and I feel like I want Olady Cakes to be a reflection of how I'm actually eating and the things that I'm putting into my body. Um, But I do, I love developing recipes, and I feel like I'm really good at it, so... So, yeah. so can we pick your brain about, I know that Oh Lady Cakes is kind of, I don't know, entering a new chapter, new era where you're going to yeah. have some non-vegan things, but. And maybe some cannabis things. Maybe some cannabis things. <laughs> yeah. uh, vegan is still like this super mystery for me as a, as a baker, but, but a mystery that I really want to crack. And when I was poking around on your site, I saw all these great ideas that I don't normally see. I want to say it was, um, what was it like the uh, tofu that you blend up and put in baked yeah. goods? 
I don't see that very often. I see other things to kind of like flax eggs and things like that. Yeah. I was so intrigued. So is that an like to replace the eggs in vegan bakes? Yeah. So the, you can use it in like pumpkin pie. It's amazing to replace the eggs in pumpkin pie or like a custard pie. I've the struggled you, with flax eggs. So like this is a that, interesting. So those pattern. aren't, you just have to, uh, you have to use the egg substitute where it actually applies. So a flax egg obviously is not going to be great in a pumpkin pie. It works great as a binder. So it's great in like brownies and cookies and things like that. But honestly, lately I really prefer to use potato starch as the binder. Um, it's not gummy at all. And it also just works really well to make them, to make the products not oily. Um, so it absorbs some of that oil while also providing like a binder for the baked good. Um, but I do really like tofu and pies. It, it, just adds this incredible texture and it really does mimic eggs and baked pies. So yeah. cool. Yeah. We've got to try that Jeremiah. Like you, I don't know if you got to see any of her recipes, but I'm always looking for a good also like cupcake recipe. And I feel like I saw that in one of yours, like a good vegan cupcake. And there is a vegan cupcake recipe, but it's so old. I think it's like a peppermint yeah. cupcake yeah. or whatever. And maybe it's good. I don't know. I haven't <laughs> tested it in so long. I probably need to go back and do it. But really any of my cake recipes, you could turn into cupcakes and they would be fine. And I would honestly recommend doing that and just keep an eye on them, you know, pop them in for like 18 minutes. And if they don't look done, uh, bake them for four more minutes or whatever, you know. Um, but yeah, and cakes are also really easy to veganize. You don't, eggs aren't a requirement. And um, yeah. what about vegan butter? Like I, I don't like the taste of the vegan butters that I've tried from the grocery store. Do you recommend a different oil that you could just sub in or any thoughts about that? It depends on what you're baking. So you're not always going like if it's like a puff pastry or something like that, oil probably isn't going to be a good substitute because it's not going to make it as flaky as what the vegan butter is. But for most things, for like cookies or brownies or things like that, coconut oil is fantastic. Um, so I prefer to use that. I did just get some Miyoko's butter. Have you tried that before? I haven't. Mm-mm. So I did just get that. I've not tried it. I actually, I did try it back like when it first was, when it first was released. Um, I'm not really a fan of the flavor, but I'm going to start working on a vegan croissant recipe. So I really just want that flakiness. And then I can also introduce the flavor in other ways. Um, but yeah, I'm going to try Miyoko's in a recipe. So I will let you know how that, how that works out. Keep us posted. It costs a fortune though. Like I was looking at it and I was like, if this croissant recipe gives me trouble. I'm going to spend like $500 on vegan butter. Oh no. (laughs) It is a huge problem. So also like, that's another thing where like the price of products like that, like they're not attainable for a lot of people. Like I can't afford to be like eating vegan butter that costs basically $6.99 for a half a cup. That's absurd. Um, but if it will make, if, if I can make a really good croissant with it, I will be so happy. Yeah, it better be really, really amazing yeah. for that price. Like, yeah. <laughs> so you can. <laughs> you should put some gold leaf so on it. You can get vegan butters. Like, there's Earth Balance, but they're just like they leave this nasty film in your mouth. They're made with ingredients that I don't really want to put in my body, so I just prefer to use coconut oil because there's not a lot of crap in it. It's literally just coconut oil, refined or unrefined. So I always use that. That's my go-to for sure. One thing too I love about your 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 website is that you put a window into the recipe writing process. So if any of our listeners are into like how that happens, you can see Ashley's process and how she goes from one test to the next test. And Yeah. So it's, I had an idea to do that because I would get a ton of emails from people being like, how do you develop recipes? Where do you start? Like, I would love to see your process. And I was like, oh, 
I'll just start putting all of my recipe trials up on a page. So I call it like the evolution of a recipe. And it's like start to finish uh, the process that I go through to develop a recipe. So it's like, here's what I'm going to start with. And here's what I end up getting. Like I just developed a wa- finished developing a waffle recipe yesterday. And I was like, this recipe looks nothing like the original recipe that I started with. So it's really interesting, even for me as the developer, because I don't usually get to see that process. I don't really pay attention to the process, but have it having it there kind of in writing one recipe after another, it's like, this is so fascinating. And also I feel like it's an awesome tool to help people, to help people realize or help people learn how to develop recipes on their own. Yeah, I love it. I mean, because, you know, like you were, Amanda and I are both self-taught. And I remember, you know, years ago thinking there's no way I'd, I'd ever write a recipe. I, there's no way I'd ever be that smart or that experienced. And the thing is to be like, I'm a self-taught baker and now writing recipes. And so there's no Isn't education. Amazing? It is. <laughs> but there's also like, there's a bit of mystique around it, you know, because you know, I'm not professionally trained. And so it's so cool to see another home baker, their process. So they, you, you can learn, we yeah, can learn totally. from each other. I love that because it's a bit mysterious. How it people totally do is. Excellent. I feel like we need to get emotional, Amanda. Get emotional. Like, Let's get emotional. I, I want to know your first baking memory. My first baking memory. Oh my God, it's going to make me cry. No, um, just in the kitchen with my great Elma. I feel like that's where the love of baking was kind of instilled in me was just standing alongside my great Elma on a, st- on a stool or a chair in her kitchen, just baking with her. And we would always bake either her, she would make these amazing no-bake cookies, which I have the recipe and it is like three cups of sugar <laughs> and like Nestle chocolate chips and things like that. Ton of butter. Um, we would make her oatmeal cookies. And then I would also, while they were baking in the oven, I would eat a bowl of bran flakes on like right next to the sink while she would wash the dishes. So that is my earliest baking memory. And the one that like definitely just sticks with me. Um, she was such an awesome woman and I feel like she was the reason that I bake and that I was like even interested in starting to bake. So another really cool thing is that I actually have her like original KitchenAid stand mixer from like the forties or fifties, I think it is. Um, and it still works, which is like a testament to how incredible KitchenAid stand mixers are. That's pretty amazing. That's very amazing. It's awesome. Pretty special. Oh, that's so sweet. I could just imagine this whole scene with yeah. the bran flakes. I love bran flakes. That. Those, that is like, I'm such an old lady at heart because I eat all these plain cereals, but I realize that I'm just like basically my great Alma. That's who I am. That's so sweet. <laughs> that My grandma and I just pulled out a recipe of my great grandmother's and it is a coconut cookie that has bran flakes in it. I need to send it to you. I need that recipe. You know, I actually, it's really good. I found bran flakes at the store the other day and I was really just not happy with the ingredients that were in them. And I'm like, you know what? Probably when I was eating them, what was that? Like 26 years ago, they probably didn't have a bunch of junk in them, but now they're just crap. So very disappointed in bran flakes. Yeah. Yeah. They need to get with it. You have to find a better, better brand flake. It's weird. Like of all the so things. you know what I've been eating? Grape nuts. Ah, uh, yeah. Cause they kept it clean. Grape nuts, didn't they? So it's just like simple and good. So we asked on Instagram what questions we should ask. And I feel like we've covered so many of them, but here's one that, uh, I don't know, maybe we could, we could dive in a little bit more. It's from a, a Italianista 89. It says, how do you get the most out of your weed bake is butter better asking for a friend. They don't want to claim the question. They're like, I really want to know this answer, but I'm not claiming wink, that. Wink. No way. <laughs> so no, because as we know, and as I covered medium chain triglycerides are the best way to deliver the cannabinoids to your system. So you should 
in theory, be using an oil that's rich in MCTs or that is just straight MCT oil. But the problem is that you can't really bake with MCT oil. Um, so you can use a can of coconut cooking oil, which is still really high in MCTs. So if I was the person extracting, I would use a can of coconut cooking oil because then the delivery method is going to be superior to other oils. Boom. Bam. Boom. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it's so funny because I have to ponder a lot. And I love that this information is so ingrained in you that it is. It's boom. It's like you ask and it's like boom. Like the answer just. And it's very clear now. Out. Yeah. It makes <laughs> a lot of sense. That makes me happy. Uh, the really, just yeah. really cool thing about the whole, about this whole process is that it's all been trial and error, just like it was when I started baking. Like I knew nothing when I came into this. It literally is just like knowledge that I've absorbed from actually being in my weed kitchen, extracting and, you know, things like that. And then also just going and talking with the scientists at the lab and picking their brains and absorbing that knowledge and then regurgitating it to you guys. Yay. Regurgitation. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So one thing we really like to ask um, when we have people who have written recipes on is what recipes of yours would you really love for people to make? I have my eye on some, by the way. Uh, I can never say it. Banoffee. Banoffee. The one that's like on my page as I think it's an OLC favorite. That pie is fucking incredible. It is like Oh, the bananas with like the, I don't know, like the Dolce de Leche type topping. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. You should definitely make that. That's a good one with the coconut cream, but it's also very indulgent. Uh, so you just need a little slice, but I, I'm, I can be pretty lazy if I'm baking for just like myself or my husband. Um, it's my job. So I don't want to spend my free time baking for the most part. So I will make my no bake cookies and it's the most recent no bake cookie on my site. It is phenomenal and just hits the spot. And they're so easy. They come together in like five minutes. Okay. What are, what's in them? Um, coconut oil. So if you want to make them THC no-bake cookies, you could totally extract into some coconut oil and then use those to infuse the cookies, which I've definitely done before. Um, but it's coconut oil, peanut butter, cacao powder, salt, and oats. So it's super simple. This reminds me of a cookie I grew up with at Christmas as well. It's an oatmeal, chocolatey, no-bake. Okay, I'm going to tell my aunt today about it and that she needs to get some. Okay, wait, time out. I just realized there's also maple syrup in them. And the most recent version does not use cacao powder. It uses 100% cacao, so like unsweetened chocolate, basically. Um, It makes them more stable at room temperature, so you could leave them out on the counter and they won't turn into a puddle like the ones that are made with, with coconut oil. Oh, yeah. But either of any of the no-bake cookies on my site are just really delicious. Um, there's also, if you, so another like sweet thing, my coconut oil cinnamon rolls are phenomenal. Um, they look amazing. Like that picture is just, so good. oh my yes, God, over the top. They are really good. And then right now, I'm not really a savory recipe developer. I'm a terrible cook. I'm a lazy cook. Um, but when I make a savory recipe, I like, it's always, it's, when I make something that is for the blog or if I'm going to share it on the blog, it's always going to be really good. Um, and so with that being said, I would highly recommend my, what is it called? My peanut stew, the spicy peanut stew. Um, it's got like butternut squash in it. It's got chickpeas. It's got a load of peanut butter. It's very satisfying. It's delicious. It's warming. It's so great this time of year and people love it. It's those that along with my coconut oil cinnamon rolls, are like the most loved recipe on my site. We could just go through the whole day, start with the cinnamon rolls, make a batch of yeah. soup, finish off with some cookies and maybe some pie if we feel Some pie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, just all the things. 
all of them. And I'm obsessed with your photography. Oh, thank yeah, you. well done. I'm such Gorgeous. I feel like I'm not really a photographer. I'm also self-taught. I don't know. I've got this super fancy camera. I don't know shit about it. Um, I feel like I just kind of have a good eye. I know how to frame things, but I am such a huge critic of my photography work. Like I feel like I'm a really good recipe developer and I know that, but when it comes to photography, I'm like, mm, that's a really crappy photo. You might want to reshoot that. Um, it's just, it's so funny how critical you can be of yourself, but then, you know, you're like, Oh, I love your photography. And I'm like, Oh, I don't fancy myself a photographer at all. So it's really kind of you to say, and I appreciate it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I loved it. And I think we can all relate to that feeling about any part of our lives. Biggest critics. Yeah. So it's nice to hear that, you know, from someone like you who's so accomplished to have that, you're like, okay, I'm not crazy. Okay, back it up. I'm definitely not accomplished, but thank you. (laughs) 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 I'm just getting started. All right, Ashley, this is our favorite question to ask and always our finale of an episode. If you could bake for anyone dead or alive, who would you bake for and oh what would God, you bake? Oh my God, that is so hard. This is going to be so cheesy. It would be my great Oma, um, just so I can show her like, hey, I'm an awesome baker and I would also bake her vegan versions of my favorite recipes of hers. And then I wouldn't tell her until like the very end and be like, oh, by the way, there's no butter in that. There's no lard in that. There's no milk in that. And it would just blow her mind. She'd be like, oh, I taught you well. Um, yeah, it'd be her, which is like, I feel like, such a cheap answer, but I don't know. Great I think it's a great answer because it's a little sweet and a little uh, tricksterish. Yeah. Like I like that you're like, I would want to bake for this person I love and then totally. trick her. I would totally <laughs> want to trick her. And then I'd maybe make her some cool. weed brownies and see if she'd want to eat them together because that would be really fun. So alive, my Oma. So my Oma is like 80 years old and she is like German through and through, like thick accent. She still calls like cannabis and weed. She calls it dope. But I would love to eat weed brownies with her. Like if I'm going to get high with someone, it's going to be my Oma. Um, I, I would just love to be there with her to experience it. And the, I'm very opposed to like tricking people into eating products that are infused with marijuana because I just think it's so wrong on so many different levels. Um, but that's probably the only way that I could get her to consume cannabis is by like giving her a brownie that's infused and not tell her. Uh, cause she's so opposed. She's, she's so opposed to it. I mean, every time I talk to her on the phone, she's like, now I know that it's legal out there, but you know, the government doesn't see it that way. So you're basically a criminal. And I'm like, okay, we're not going to have this conversation right now. <laughs> yeah. So adorable. Both my Oma's, my great Oma and my Oma. That's who it would be. That's my answer. Oh, it's, it's a lovely answer. A lovely answer. Oh my gosh, my brain is whirling in the best way. I feel like you answered so many questions. I've spent so much time Googling and and trying to research this and I get really frustrated. So I hope everyone loves it. But yeah, so I'm happy to to provide information. Hopefully it helps people, you know? Hopefully um, people realize yeah. that when they're extracting THC at home that, you know, there's there's a lot of room for error there. So if you have a bad experience that... I feel like shouldn't be that shouldn't reflect poorly on cannabis as a whole, you know? That's just your extraction process. So yeah. yeah, I hope I hope that it can help people. I'm so happy that I could be here. Oh, we love, love having you. And I feel like a book is in your future. I can't say if there is or isn't. Um but and we're, we're just it. we're just claiming it for you, whether you like oh, it or yeah. not. Yeah, we're just putting it out there. So you know, if I did a book, it would only be a cannabis book. I feel like the yes. blog to cookbook is just so overrated and so overdone. I, have, yeah. I mean I share free recipes on my blog. Why would anyone buy my cookbook? You know? Um, but if I have a cannabis cookbook, 
I mean, that's, that's something new. Also, I bring yeah. so much like credibility to that, having a licensed facility, yeah. just saying might, maybe, maybe I'll do it one day. Come on. <laughs> yeah. The world needs you. It's a new <laughs> frontier and you're blazing the trail. So mm-hmm. keep at it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys. so much. Well, thanks again so much. And we can't wait to, to talk to you soon. Same. Thank you. Bye guys. Be sure to subscribe to Flower Hour on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you're enjoying your time with us, leave us a review. We'd appreciate it. 